0: A lot of the the Bitcoin innovation out there is missing value capture. And so it hasn't caught up versus, you know, you have a lot of economic incentives where value capture is to some degree encouraged in the Ethereum ecosystem and others. These have caught on quickly, even with normies. So we're seeing like Solana is really popular for NFTs with people that don't barely know how to operate their iPhone. Like they're they're using Solana because there's a lot of money there because Solana will then prioritize user experience. Um, so what we're seeing is the projects that are well funded tend to get more adoption. Bitcoin got a lot of adoption because of the upside that people saw. So. Mm-hmm. Even within Bitcoin, there's expectation of return. Still, that's the meme, you know? The idea is if this thing becomes world money, we're looking at a million dollars of Bitcoin or more. I think these incentives exist in, in both of these places, but in Ethereum and with other ecosystems, in Stacks as well, which is built on top of Bitcoin, there's this idea that you can create your own token and then you can sell that, and that's some upside for you because as the innovator, as the founder of the protocol, you deserve, or we should at least want, founders to be rewarded
1: to some degree for their innovation so that we get more of them. And so what are the three mistakes that founders are making? Welcome back to Bitcoin is Hard. This is a Choice App production about Bitcoin and personal finance. The reason why I'm excited for this episode with Nate today is because, as the viewers know, I've been trying to just mentally shift what i think about kind of layer 2s and bitcoin's place in like the crypto ecosystem and all the buzzwords as a whole. So we've just been doing that live and you're a part of my doing it live by reading your tweets and listening to your space the other day and bringing you here. So yeah, dude, just hit us with like introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Brian. I'm I'm really stoked to be on the podcast. Um Hi, praise. I appreciate you're uh, enjoying my tweets and everything like that. The spaces. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm at Eat Sleep Crypto on Twitter. I'm a tokenomics researcher and advisor. I've been in the space. I've been writing in the space for about five years. I've been uh, loosely in the Bitcoin space for since 2013. Um, so I had a friend in college who was I figured out later selling his way through school on the Silk Road. And when he told me about this, he's like, he's like, yeah, there's this place called the Silk Road. And, uh, and there people are just like selling drugs. It's been around for two years now, three years. And I'm like, what currency are they using that this has not been shut down by the government? Like, there's no way this thing exists. He's like, it's called Bitcoin. And I'm like, okay, well, what is that? And, uh, he starts talking about miners and the network and different, you know, all these, these buzzwords that I didn't understand then. And, um, I was like, all right, well, I got to dig a little deeper. So I uh, sent me the white paper and I ended up doing a school project on it, um, still with not a complete grasp on how big this application would be, what this thing was, um, but I uh, kept, my, kept my ear to the ground and was on Bitcoin talk forums in 2014, 2015, checking it all out, kind of seeing what was going on. Still not uh, having the technical background that I wanted to, but um, was just loosely Uh, Keeping an eye on the space and then 2017 came around and we started to see, you know, Bitcoin uh, eclipsed gold and then um, it broke, you know, broke a thousand eclipsed gold and then it just kept going. And uh, come, you know, April, May, I was like, okay, there are all these new altcoins out there. What are these things? Like, why are these valuable? And um, I started to ask the question, what makes a cryptocurrency valuable? or like what makes a token valuable. And um, so I was writing about that for a while on eatsleepcrypto.com. It's like, a, you know, sort of was my blog at the time. And, um, and then after that, it turned into, uh, you know, a couple years of asking what makes a currency valuable turned into how can I design valuable currencies? Like what, how could I use these principles that I'm learning and seeing about coins that are more valuable than others um, to actually engineer value into a currency. So that has become um, what I call tokenomics. And maybe we'll get into that in a bit. But that's my background. That's what I've been doing for the last, uh, you know, better part of a decade.
1: So perfect. So perfect. And like, as you were saying it, I was like mapping my own story to like each of those like little time periods. And it's, it's perfect. Like, that's why I've been able to dial it in so fast together. What were you studying when you did that project on Bitcoin? I
0: was studying management information systems. So that was like, um, basically business tech. And, uh, after college, I taught myself to program, got into machine learning. So I went a real technical route, still not as technical as you can go, but, um, went from the soft side of, of crypto to the, the more technical side later.
1: Love that. Love that. But all the while, yeah, and writing about what makes the different cryptocurrencies viable. So yeah, so talk to us about this word tokenomics. When <laughs> did you start using it? And what does it mean today? Yeah, so um,
0: it's a great, it's a great question. It means a lot of different things. If you ask different people, um, kind of the history of that word, I started seeing it around 2018. People were talking mostly about the, um, the supply of a token and you know, different features, um, whatever they could latch on you know, the publicly available information about a token and the metrics there. Um, but for me, tokenomics, I started using this word around 2020. And um, for me, tokenomics is the study of how a token or a cryptocurrency flows within its economy or within its protocol. And um, that's uh, kind of like that includes not only the supply, like how much is being emitted or where the allocation is going. Uh, it's not just like a, you know, I think of allocation more like a cap table in, uh, in VC terms, um, but it, the tokenomics are like how a token is used within its economy. What's generating demand for that token? What are the factors that are affecting that demand? What's affecting the supply and really getting a comprehensive look at how a token is used because that determines how it's, you know, what is valuable about it. If a token has a lot of demand and a low supply, it's going to be valuable.
1: What I love about what you're doing, and I don't know if you're doing it intentionally, but you're very much mixing the word like currency analogies and equity analogies. Like I've been kind of watching you do that from your like story up. And when you talked about how 2017 you began asking yourself the question of what makes each one of these differently valuable. And then how could you design? So when I can go back to my earliest notes of watching YouTube and trying to understand cryptocurrency, also, I have buckets of like currencies, platforms. um, What was the third one? I had a third one the other day, but it was like, yeah, currencies, platforms. And then what happened in 2017, Like, one way to brush over 2017 is what happened is a bunch of people got burned by, like, vaporware, right? And then, like, the Bitcoin standard came out. And that Mm -hmm. was a huge wave. Like, that was a huge wave. And somewhere along the way, like, tokens got rebranded in the popular culture away from an equity replacement, like, to money printing which I think then led to a lot of the separation between Bitcoin and crypto that we see today. And it's been this year, like 2022, very fresh in the last like five, six months that I've come back up for air on after having worked on like kind of grassroots Bitcoin adoption for like multiple years and like Bitcoin and taco shops, Bitcoin replacing fiat money, coming back to like, well, what is happening with like Bitcoin as potential or not potential base currency of crypto, of Web3, of DeFi, and then like insert all the buzzwords. Um, That's where I've like been coming from. And so in your, and I want to get to your list of like three ways that Web3 founders are like messing up their tokens. But again, that's kind of mixing this like equity language and this currency language. So go off that. Why do you mix those languages?
0: Yeah. um, I don't know if I do that intentionally. That's an interesting observation. I think I probably do that because... In my mind, there are several ways that tokens can be valuable. And one of those is as an equity. Another is as a currency. Um, but uh, there are...
1: Does it matter? Is there a difference?
0: Because I well, think some is. people... A the- okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a huge difference. And and one of the mistakes that I didn't talk about in the most in recent Twitter space when I was highlighting mistakes, but one of the big mistakes people make is to uh, try to use their key performance indicators, their KPIs, as if it were an equity when it's actually a currency or when it's actually more like a commodity. Um, and there are, different, there are different kinds of tokens that you can create, and each of those gain value in their own way. Um, but one of those, yeah, so I, I guess I mixed those, uh, hopefully not conflating the two, but I definitely mixed those um, and talk about both. They are different. Uh, they are different. No, not,
1: no, and not complaining at all and not a call at all because I've been, I, it's the heart of the issue. Like it's the heart of the issue. Like untangling. I've said this a couple of times. It's like, I don't, it's 2022, 2017 was five years ago, dude. I have a mortgage now. Like I have a kid now. Like I don't want, I can't continue looking through the le- world with the same lens that I had in 2017 with two, or three years into researching Bitcoin and have my handwritten notes about it. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Like this, <laughs> we're in a completely brand new world. So starting from scratch, starting from first principles, like as the hip thing to do and just being like, what are we doing here is like what I'm trying to do. So, so do you like the term, do you like the term web three the other day? I'm trying to remember it, you was, it was three things that token founders are making mistakes yeah. on Web three founders. I, I think I just say
0: founders because um, okay. Web three got like a
1: terrible terrible connotation last year. Yep. I mean, like, uh, I wouldn't. I don't say Web three. All. What's your perspective on the word Web three? <laughs> what's your perspective <laughs> yeah. on the word DeFi? Like hit hit the buzzwords and definitions real fast to yeah, orient.
0: So uh, Web3, to me, Web3 started as like an Ethereum library. Uh, That was something Vitalik was talking about. Actually, I don't know if it started as an Ethereum library. I'm sure Vitalik started to talk about Web3 way early, probably as far as 2016, 2017. I'm pretty sure Web3 predates uh, the 2017 bull run, but um, it got adopted by people that are trying to do like the competitors to social media platforms on blockchains and they're taking all of the old businesses and their business models and replacing them with just a blockchain back end, I think most of the projects in Web3 are garbage. Um, And uh, so to me, Web3 has like a toxic connotation where I don't even like, I dare not utter the words in public. crypto kind of got that same, you know, it's the same thing that happened to crypto circa 2018 when the ICOs fell apart. It's like, mm-hmm. no one wants to say they're in crypto now. Well, what do you say? So I say, whenever people ask me what I do, like if someone's asking me like, what do you do for work? It's like, oh, I'm in decentralized finance. They're like, Huh, oh, what's that? Cause they haven't even, I don't even think most people have heard of DeFi despite the, yep. you know, the big bull runs uh, last year and 2020. Like, you know, we had, a couple of solid years of DeFi projects iterating. Um, I say decentralized finance. They're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, well, it's, you know, a couple thousand people are creating parallel financial systems on top of blockchains. And they're like, wow, that sounds really smart and buzzwordy and whatever. So feel free to anybody out there, feel free to use that one. You'll probably get good mileage.
1: (laughs) No, perfect. Okay, so then these... Asking questions about what makes different kind of tokens different and not lumping all of crypto together, I think makes perfect sense. I think we're, I'm, and I'm saying that from my own perspective of like, I'm literally at a point of like, I need fresh language and fresh, like both for myself, but also in explaining it to other people, because I agree with you about the the mission of like Decentralize all the things is like noble, right? Like replace the gatekeeping big tech with the like uh new like web three tech, but then it gets all into the like misaligned incentives when tokens are introduced incorrectly. And like things because startups, startups are hard in general, like forget web two or whatever, like making startups is hard. So then making startups while also making a token and trying to redefine either currency or equity <laughs> is like, you're now like very old, like, and then the niche of people that have followed all the way down the thread is very small. Like, and so I think asking the questions is good. Um, why, so when you say found, when you say founders, the Bitcoiner in me, right? Like cringes and is like, oh, we don't need to found new currencies. We don't need to found new currencies. We don't need more money printing, right? right. What's, your re- what's your reaction to that?
0: So there's two things there. Um, I'll clarify what I mean by founders. And then with the, uh, I'll, I'll relate to the Bitcoiner cringe because um, mm-hmm. I think I know where you're coming from and I'll, I'll get to that. So with mm-hmm. founders, I think of founders as like, People who are building a protocol, and that might have a token, and that token will look—you uh, know—might look one of a few different ways. So it could be like equity-like, it could be commodity-like, it could be currency-like. Um, there are, you know, and there there are different ways that tokens can accrue value. So obviously, a currency can become valuable when it's used to pay for things, like Bitcoin was used to pay for a lot of things on the dark web, and if we could get taco stand adoption and, you know, all these kinds of things, that would be great because that would accrue value to Bitcoin and not to the dollar. Um, And so, you know, in in that sense, I see, uh, so that's how I define a founder is someone who's building a protocol that might have a token attached to it. And I want to help those people who want to attach a token to their protocol. Um, With the, you know, I imagine your reaction as Bitcoiners like, well, we already have hard money. Why do we need more money? To print you know why do we need to do more of this um and I, I think there's a few ways to answer that but um one of those things uh that i see is that um i mean i'll, I'll go with the purely the, the way that you probably won't
1: like but i think is the hardest case is the strongest case is well, hold to, on real fat. okay i don't okay. want to no i'm not trying to hit you with the right like why do you need a token or whatever I'm not trying <laughs> to hit you with that I want to hit you like, but, but you just used another word protocol and we didn't cover that one in our DeFi mm. and web three one, because I've been Let's tweeting up that. this thing of like, I've been tweeting out this thing of like, we have to redefine what a company is. I'll, mm. I'll answer the, why do you need a token? Okay. To, Cause again, I'm trying to punch through to new language. The reason yeah. why you need a token is because you need upside builders yeah. and people that are producing software need upside. Can you have Can you have software on the internet that does more things with the peer-to-peer Bitcoin money that doesn't use a token? Yes, you can have tokenless scripting. And that is available and that is happening. However, for-profit building has the ability to build network effects it most likely faster and more directly what the market wants rather than non-profit building. And the reason why I want to answer that today is because I'm not I'm, I'm done with the like, why do you need a token thing? I'll take that one. <laughs> and then we need to move on because because that is the heart of the issue and in the heart of the issue where and I tweet like I tweet out that like crypto is not money printing this this brand new thing, in my opinion, like crypto is not money printing. Crypto, whether it's under Web3 or under crypto or, and I, I'm i gonna get to what you mean by protocol because I want to hear it. To me, that's like we separated money from state and companies don't work. I actually don't like the word decentralized. I don't like the word centralized versus decentralized. I honestly don't even like the word blockchain. Like I don't use either, but Peter Thiel said at Bitcoin 2022, the stock market is quasi government controlled. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Balaji just tweeted the other day, HR writes to the state. DocuSign, that we all sign at our jobs, writes to the clown world legal system. And ADP sends our money over the ACH network. Uh, my DocuSign contract talks to ADP software, DocuSign software, tells the ADP software to send the USD fiat software via ACH network software with human gatekeepers. That's what happens. And all of society goes back up to that. Then my ability to get a mortgage at a bank goes back to what I can show inside my USD bank account that ADP writes to and changes my integers so that that bank will write me more integers. It's all software, like all the way up. The bank ADP has shareholders, DocuSign has shareholders, that like everyone involved in the ACH network board of governors has shareholders. So I'm done with the whole, like that's why the way I've been saying it is we need to redefine what a company is. So we, a, ignore all of that. And as for context, tell us what a protocol is. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't
0: even know if there's more for me to say on, on um, that was, that was brilliant. What you just said, I think is exactly the argument for a token as a builder's upside. And that's what I was going to go to. Um, so I'm really glad that you, that you put that and I don't
1: want the audience doesn't need to get in the weeds of what, because what happens in these conversations is we try to explain a use case and then that use case gets like, we all are like, well, that can't work or whatever, but that's the reaction with all startups the the correct reaction to all startups is that's stupid. Like I've told people that they're like, I'm going to start a company that does this. I'm like, that's stupid. But that has nothing to do with their idea. That has to do with me and my like mental blocks in my, like what I'm thinking about in my life. That has nothing to do with what they're doing. So my is a protocol. Am I correct in thinking like protocol to me just feels like one of these new words of like, it's yes. Web3 got the bad connotation. Like it wet protocol to me just feels like instead of there being a company, in a company yeah. that has a legal definition protocol is a software that people are choosing to make exactly yeah so i i think
0: protocols are the replacements to companies there was a there was a, a fantastic article a couple of years ago uh, called protocols not platforms and it's all about censorship resistance and the you know Like you said don't love the word decentralization but the minimum viable decentralization to achieve censorship resistance because Mm -hmm. that's what we want our goal is
1: not necessarily decentralization it's just
0: enough to get what we
1: need perfect so here's the one i need your help answering actually that i can't answer yet here's the one i need your help answering you don't need a blockchain for that hit me with that one and and is that relevant right to what so i love that definition protocol so then creating like Protocols, not platforms, because platforms have gatekeepers. And that's where all the Web3 people that are like, replace the social media, they're directionally correct. Like, I'm down. Like, sweet. Let's do it. But building network effects is hard. And when you screw up on the token, that gets annoying for everyone. It puts a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And then you just look like another freaking social media knockoff. And we're all still writing to YouTube and all still writing to Twitter. Like, so protocols that replace companies. The reason why I need a token, a well-designed one is so that the people involved with the initial risk have a financial benefit for doing that because having financial benefit is the number one way to like get people across the board on the same page. How, what do you think about the whole, you don't need a blockchain for that thing?
0: I think there are many cases where you don't necessarily need a blockchain, but it can be beneficial to have one. And the biggest reason to use a blockchain is if there are any kind of monetary incentives involved. If you're using money, you don't want to use something that's not secure, that's not blockchain native and just wrap a token. Like let's say people are using Bitcoin. Well, if you're using software that wraps Bitcoin, you're going to be trusting that software to some degree. Um, and that software could be open source, but then where are the incentives? Where's the funding coming from? I mean, um, with a lot of protocols that if you look at most of the successful protocols that are household names, things like Tor, things like um, you know, I'll go with Tor as an example. Like the CIA is running a bunch of Tor nodes. Like, where do you think the funding's coming from? They they have a vested interest in keeping this alive. And if you're if you're counting on that kind of outside funding for things you're gonna have perverse incentives somewhere along the chain and um so to me another you know going back to the idea that that builders need to be compensated and incentivized this is a clean easy transparent way to do that and yes it, it does create um it creates more money but not in the traditional sense so i think this is where you were going with like mixing equities and currencies um Yes, it's creating money out of nothing, but it's not creating out of nothing and it's not backed by nothing. It's backed by the new productivity and the new product, whatever the product is of this protocol, it's backing itself with its own currency instead of, instead of, and this is a really cool point that I've been fleshing out lately is uh, normally technological innovation is denominated all innovation is denominated in us dollars because it's dollars that you use to pay for that new thing now instead of that if you have a new technological innovation that only uses your token only uses ethereum or only uses some ethereum token or uh anything you know whatever currency you require to use your protocol is the currency that accrues value from your product so if you want to um you know i know we're not we're not talking about the dollar specifically here but if you if you don't want to accrue value to some national sovereign currency you don't have to you can create right. another currency and in that sense you are uh helping to move forward in the world and helping to create a better world that that has uh you know an alternative
1: payment system perfect so where where i'm at on that is where the language I would use to describe back to you the same thing, or what I think is closer to the same thing, is, I, I think this is where everything in 2017, everything in 2017 was a utility token. Utility token was the thing they kept <laughs> trying to say it, but then they all had the bad uh, design, which I should have let you say the three. We maybe should take a break and have you say your three mistakes because I've been just glossing over them because I know them in my head. But like the everything was a utility token. But everything wasn't a utility token. wasn't designed correctly. Like there was right, all exactly. these other things thrown in that bucket. So then that's what left the bad taste in the mouth of the utility token. That's what allowed the bit right. like the, the Bitcoiners, the Bitcoin standard to say that it was all money printing and that it was like all bad and group it into the fiat bucket. Yeah. That where I've been what I've been trying to do in my brain is to me, it still feels like Bitcoin has the greatest chance of like, of replacing the dollar. And to me, it feels like rebranded equity. It feels like way less of a jump to it. It just feels like currency is one of these like third rail words and money is one of these third rail words that like I don't even want the conversation to get bogged down in that of like, oh, multiple currencies in the world. I'd way rather just start fresh with protocols or replacing companies. And then here's how you design good incentives around protocols, because, and it's like, okay, well, why do you need protocols to replace companies? because companies are choke points that are causing bad incentives in the world. Like, and when you have a protocol, then there's no employee-employer relationship. There's no investor-founder relationship. It's sovereign individuals participating with software. And then, okay, what does the software do? The software is on the internet and does things for people that that formally DocuSign used to do, that formally like ADP used to do. So do you... <clears throat> Do you have any heartache with that? With just like the all more just like going down the like equity route? And because then it goes into like, what's the difference between like, where does a gas token fit in all of this?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So um, I do think there there's, okay, so there are differences between the types of tokens that founders are creating. And the biggest difference that I like to highlight is the amount of value that each captures. So um, it, let's take the uh, equity versus the currency. So with the currency, the value the value of a currency is proportional to the things that it buys. It's it's you know the value of a currency, a total monetary base. There's this equation called the equation of exchange. It's um, goes back to John Stuart Mill. So basically, the founding of economics. He was one of the earliest economists, and Milton Friedman popularized this. So we've got a, a long-standing tradition of people using this equation. I've applied it to. Cryptocurrencies specifically in several articles on my site. And uh, that is creating your own currency is the best way, is the, is the way that captures the most value out of any kind of token. It's something that's used to pay for things. Um, so I'll, we'll, we'll keep it there at a high level. Contrast that with an equity. So if you're if you're creating something that's just taking a fee within the protocol... And then distributing it to investors or potentially buying back the token and burning it so there's less of a supply but still the same amount of demand the price is going to go up or the fundamental value is going to go up basically the book value of this token will go up when you do that um but the amount of value that's being captured by the equity token is a lot less so that means that the uh people who are creating this new technology this new protocol are not being rewarded the same if they create a, uh, a a currency versus create something that acts more like a stock so you see the natural incentives for people to want to create currencies that's where we had all the utility tokens everyone's like well we're gonna have this token in our protocol and and it's like well how does that work It's like, well you have to use this to use the protocol well a lot of friction there people don't want to do that um, and if it could be more easily done with a different token like ethereum People are gonna end up using Ethereum instead. Their competitors right. who are copying the protocol and doing the same thing using Ethereum are gonna win out. Um, but in that case, there's a lot less money going to these founders and um, you know potentially not enough to make it lucrative for them. With the amount of dry powder there is in VC right now, we're seeing a, a lot of, uh, you know there's a ton of money floating around in the venture capital world. I saw the other day, the number $290 billion just waiting to be deployed. Uh, pending good market conditions to do so, um, so there's a lot of incentives for people to build things in in the traditional world too. Um, what we want, and I think I think what everyone wants in this space, I know you're you're here already, is we want to see innovation that's going to actually challenge the status quo and actually compete with centralized companies. Um, and to do that, we're probably going to have to have really good value capture, really good incentives going to um, to the founders, but, and, and again, I think I'm probably speaking for both of us here. We want to do that in a way that's not grifting and that's also secure, that's sustainable over time. So that's sort of the things that I focus on with my tokenomics work. There are these three principles of tokenomics. I call them their utility. So making sure the protocol and the token are useful. There's value capture, making sure that not only is it a valuable product for users, but it's, it's, uh, some of that value is captured. This is a Peter Thiel idea that some of that value is captured to the token, and then there's security. So the alignment of incentives in a way that the protocol can sustain itself over time and not collapse for the for um, you know the presence of any edge cases or if there are any externalities that are unaccounted for that are going to users that eventually catch up with them. Um, those kinds of things could collapse protocols, and so we want to make sure that the, all protocols and tokens. Tokens, excuse me, are being designed in these ways. Mm -hmm.
1: And so what are the three and hit the three mistakes that founders are making?
0: Yeah, so the three mistakes, those were actually um, mostly off the top of my head. I prepared for a Twitter space the other day. I had the top three mistakes that founders make. And so I was thinking, what are the number, the the biggest three things that founders tend to do wrong that I see uh, creators of tokens? How are they doing this wrong? Um, The first one, number one is launching before... They figure out how they're going to introduce a token, and they—they they basically founders, creators, protocols will will create entire protocols to to work without a token, and then they'll try to add one in later. And uh, that's the probably the most common one. That's the one I see a lot today. People are creating what they call governance tokens that are not—they're uh, not like stocks in the sense that you don't have a, a share. Of, of ownership, when you own a governance token, you have the right to make decisions, but you're not rewarded for them. And that just like, right off the bat, that should be, that is a huge red flag. It should be like, why, you know, in my mind, it's like, why would I want to buy something to like, participate in it? That's like, that's like McDonald's giving you the right to change the menu, but not having you get any of the profits of the company. Um, so that's the biggest one. And, uh, founders tend to, they they tend to launch their protocol and then they think I'm going to add a token in later, but there's no additional utility that they're adding in later, um, that they could draw on for profits or for, um, you know, value capture. So, uh, that is, that is the first mistake. The second one is a focus on, Decreasing supply with, rather than increasing demand for their token. So, um, you know, this kind of goes back to utility a bit. In the absence of fundamental drivers of demand for their token, like if their token is not actually valuable, uh, if users don't need to use it in order to use the protocol, founders tend to say, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to we're going to burn a bunch of these tokens. We're going to decrease the supply artificially and then hope that because of that, the token price goes up, but they forget that if they don't have actual need, if users don't actually need their token, then it's, it's not going to be valuable. Like you can have a theoretically unbounded supply of a token, uh, like Dogecoin has a tail emission of whatever it is, a billion Doge a year or something. It's a, it's at least, uh, some single digit percent right now per year. Um, But if it has real demand for it, like I remember back in, and maybe still today, but back in 2017, 2018, we were using Dogecoin to transfer between the exchanges because it had the shortest block time. So that was an example of some real demand for Dogecoin. Regardless, you know, it definitely didn't live up to the, um, you know, the fundamental price was not the traded price, the exchange Mm -hmm. traded price, but there was some demand there. So theoretically, there is some fundamental value to Dogecoin, even though it has an unlimited supply of it. Um, So the second mistake that founders tend to make that I identified is they focus on reducing supply rather than increasing demand for their token. The third one is hard coding variables that could float using a market. So um, you see this in a lot of stable coins, um, especially with Terra. So Terra is the best example of this. There were two things. In the Terra, in the Luna protocol, and Anchor protocol specifically, that if they weren't hard coded in, the stablecoin might have been able to recover the peg. So Doquan could have sold enough uh, Terra and Bitcoin to recover the UST peg when it dipped below um, a dollar. Those two things were first thing they hard-coded that they shouldn't have was the 19 and percent yield and I think everybody looks back on that and they're like oh of course you know fixed yield supply like where's the yield coming from um, that that was an issue with a tokenomic security um, so they hard-coded in this variable the second one was there was a hundred million dollar uh, million UST redemption limit per day hard-coded into the anchor protocol and if that hadn't been there they might have been able to sell more Luna in order to recover that peg. So those were two variables that were hard-coded that
1: shouldn't have been, ended up collapsing the protocol. Perfect. I want to, I want to go back to Tor and I want to recenter the conversation. So I, or define, so what is a protocol? One more time. What is a protocol? Sure. So a protocol is, it's a set of
0: procedures, uh, coupled with incentives for following those procedures. And there are, there are incentives for various participants uh, within the protocol and interfacing to outside of it. That's probably the most general
1: I can describe a protocol. And is a protocol a company or can it be a company?
0: Well, pro- I think companies are protocols or companies have protocols and um you know basically all human interaction are protocols when you say hello someone says hello back that's a protocol like you you know how to how to behave under certain circumstances because you understand the protocols behind them um and so in that case the incentives of a hello protocol are just The feeling of politeness that you have, or the feeling of belonging
1: to a community. My return, yeah. My return on investment on participating in (laughs) that flow, like in that flow, is having like you think normally of me, or like you (laughs) a friend, or like investment. Okay, no, I think that's perfect. Because then I wanted to ask, like, I never, I I like the Tor example. So, is is Tor a protocol? Yeah, yeah. Tor is. a a software is is Tor a company? That's a good yeah, I see where you're going with this. So Or is, is is Tor a non profit? What well, is yeah, it? Tor, I don't know what Tor, it
0: is. Yeah, so I think uh, Tor probably has a non profit attached to it, but isn't a
1: company itself. And where I thought we going with itself this, is a piece of software that lives on the internet. Right, exactly.
0: And will continue to exist on the internet. So if mm-hmm. I see where you're going with this, that's where that's where we're heading oh. next. Who made Tor? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Does anyone know uh, the answer?
1: Okay, perfect. Who? How do you contribute to Tor? Yeah, just GitHub pull requests, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. How? So Tor is a protocol that doesn't involve a token. Most likely it has some sort of attached or acquainted nonprofit. And that's what you're, when you're donating money. So when you're donating money, you're, don't, you're not donating money to Tor. You're donating money to a prob I'm get, guessing, but probably a 501c3 organization like inside the United States that has a USD bank account and has some crypto addresses that then a board reviews pull requests and developers work on either grant, work on grant funding to improve the Tor protocol. Yeah, right. that sounds right. like so, it it. so there's no, because there's no financial upside, there's, there's no direct financial upside for me pulling up to the tour GitHub and working on it. There is right. fin- not financial. There could be if I'm a, if I'm a, so, okay, so why would I work on the tour protocol? I'm either um, an activist and I'm motivated by what it stands for and what it's doing in the world and positive, positive uh, things that it's doing in the world. I'm trying to build my resume of projects that I've contributed to so I can show an actual working demo of software that I've like launched and the ability to work within an organization. Um, that could be a reason. Or I look at available things that need to be done and maybe get paid a grant to work on one or create something that I believe could be valuable to work on, submit it to the board. So, here's, so the reason why... I was able to give the token answer that I was today and have decided to relook at everything over the last few months is because I realized something. I realized that Bitcoin, like layer two specifically, are relying on kind of that same structure of like grant funding effectively or and I realized that that's not like so that can work, but Bitcoin, would you agree with this? Bitcoin is like the most successful open source project in the world. Would you agree with that?
0: It's tough to measure. Um, I think uh, most successful, most notable probably. Yeah, I would say it's most notable. Um, There's different ways of measuring success. I'd have to think about that for a while, but Bitcoin is a very successful open source project.
1: For sure. So, and the way that it gained, like, gr- the way that its adoption grew very mm-hmm. grassroots wise, literally mm-hmm. from one person, uh, or a small group of people to, yes, it being a global brand today, like a word today mm-hmm. that people see the logo and are like, like, know about it. Um, I think it's the most successful
0: meme. That might be one of the most successful I- memes of, of uh, certainly of the 20th, of the 21st century
1: yeah and and that's fair we don't even have to put the the most we don't have to put the label of like the most successful on it we can be just more generic open source software or open source projects like that are honestly probably have a lower success rate than for-profit startups and for-profit startups already have a very low success rate so that when i like looked through this whole thing of like why is there so much like VC money and things going into like other cryptocurrencies basically like why is there this gap and you and you arrive at this like div- and you arrive at this upside you arrive at this upside part of like and then you realize that like the bitcoin layer 2s as they're known today are mostly relying on the same things that bootstrapped bitcoin like they're relying on the same flow of things that bootstrapped bitcoin And the way that i've been tackling all this and fleshing this out in my brain is the reason why there's so much contention over what is bitcoin and is it going to stay on top in these things is because it's whether you're looking at it through a technology lens or whether you're looking at it through a monetary network lens and like monetary networks have different network effects than technology does like the reason why the myspace facebook analogy in my opinion does not apply to bitcoin versus other cryptos is because Bitcoin as like hard money, like, has a lot of historical precedence for like the cat is out of the bag and like the, it's already in the news that like, oh, Bitcoin competes with the dollar, Bitcoin competes with the Bitcoin. And it's already in the hearts and minds of like a lot of people. That's already off to the races in a way that like in the meme. I was on the phone with another Ethereum person who was like, I was like, what would change your mind? And they said, if the like, if the meme of Bitcoin as money persists. And I'm like, no, that's honestly a really great answer because, and, and that truly is then what makes like just Bitcoiners as we know, and maybe are frustrated with maybe whatever, as we know them today are people that already believe that like, it's, it's a, it's a forgotten conclusion, right? It's a forgotten conclusion that Bitcoin's authorized is so strong. However, and here's the reason why I'm bringing all this up. So I can believe that about Bitcoin like the thing, the meme. I can believe that about Bitcoin, the thing and the meme at a lot of different levels. A tech level, a monetary network level, a like world history level, a uh, dude spiritual level. Like I can take that from a lot of different angles, but none of that translates to layer twos. Zero, zero, zero of that translates to lightning network, liquid network, RSK, drive chain all the buzzwords on the Bitcoin side, like we make fun of, and I'm making fun of myself, like we make fun of the buzzwords of like DeFi, Web3, all this stuff. Dude, Bitcoin has that. Like I realized like there's no, why do I have these things on a pedestal when all this other stuff like is also there? So, so like that t- layer twos Take more of the technology, the Facebook competing with MySpace and the founders having founders, protocols having founders. Bitcoin doesn't have a founder, because this will be thrown back in your face a lot. Well, Bitcoin doesn't have a founder. Well, Bitcoin's not a company. Like, do whatever you want over there, but Bitcoin's not a company. Correct. Like, that's why we all love it, like, and know it and are happy that it's there and doing its thing. But that doesn't mean that protocols replacing companies is also positive for the world. That's actually giantly positive for the world. So why, do you agree with any of that? What would you change by any of that? Definitely. Um, I think uh,
0: speaking back to the value capture or lack thereof, I, I mean, I see that with like um, a lot of the, the Bitcoin innovation out there is missing value capture and so it hasn't caught on versus you know you have a lot of incentives a lot of economic incentives where value capture is to some degree encouraged in the ethereum ecosystem and others these have caught on quickly even with normies so we're seeing like solana is really popular for nfts with people that don't they barely know how to operate their iphone like, they're, they're using Solana because there's a lot of money there, because Solana will then prioritize user experience. Um, so what we're seeing is, you know, the, the projects that are well-funded and, yeah, the projects that are well-funded tend to get more adoption. Bitcoin got a lot of adoption because of the upside that people saw. So mm-hmm. even within Bitcoin, there's some expe- expectation of return. Still, that's the meme, you know? The idea is if this thing becomes world money, we're looking at a million dollars of Bitcoin or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, you know, I think, I think these incentives exist in, in both of these places, um, but in Ethereum and with other ecosystems, potentially, you know, in stacks as well, which is built on top of Bitcoin, um, there's this idea that you can create your own token and then you can sell that. And that's some upside for you because as the innovator, as the founder of a protocol, you deserve, or we should at least want founders to be rewarded, to some degree for their
1: innovations so that we get more of them. Mm -hmm. Do you use the word protocol for, so, so Bitcoin is a protocol, Ethereum is a protocol, Solana is a protocol. Do the, the, the NFT marketplaces on top of Ethereum or on Solana, are those protocols as well? Like you, you do you have this layering, right? But the word is okay throughout. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I'd say all of these are protocols, and they they hook into each other in different places. Um, you know, the Ethereum protocol hosts other protocols. So mm-hmm. there are protocols the same way that uh, Lightning, for example, is built on top of Bitcoin, or it, probably a little more. It's a little more native than that because Ethereum has built in the ability for like uh, for um, tokens specifically and protocols specifically to exist on top of itself with smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin has scripting, but um, you know Ethereum designed itself with, or was designed with smart contracts in mind. Yep. Um, yep. So I do see the protocols as, as uh, sort of nesting a little bit in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that you've said would probably receive a little pushback and that it's that you said something effective, like currency derive, like derives its uh, value from its usage. Like, mm-hmm. and that's some things where then there's a, for a long time, it was like, well, savings is using, well, savings is using. And that was a big split. And that was, and that was a big part of the split. I don't, look, this isn't talked about enough. When Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash split off, we talk a lot about the, like the software forking, but we don't talk a lot about the social, uh, like the social layer forking as well. And because that was a that that's a debate, like, where does money derive its value from? And then it's usage. And then you may like call the Keynesian and then you're just like all these things. And it's (laughs) like, the look and I'm thankful that I can see that now like because or just see the both sides because part of me is like, no, like we're We need commerce to flow through the bucket of Bitcoin rather than the dollar. Like, that has to happen. Like, that has to happen in order for, like, freedom to, like, continue expanding in the world. And so, like, in savings is using. I agree. Like, but commerce does matter. And the fact that NFTs, like, I tweeted the other day, if NFT marketplaces, if all of that, like, NFTs are creating a bid for the gas tokens. Like, it's creating a bid. It's creating a bid for the gas tokens. Like, there's they're so that's not nothing that's that's not nothing that's a true like people are bidding and paying a cost for the item it doesn't matter if you think the item's done it doesn't matter and that's where some people on the bitcoin side they point at like dark markets and all the way back to the beginning of the episode where you said like we're originally coming up with it the fact that there's a bid underneath the dark market like matters like that's showing usage that's showing usage and the reason why the dollar is as dominant as it is, is because there's constantly a bid for it, constantly a bid for it, constantly a bid for it. Um, How do you, I don't, I don't know how to, like, I want to revisit this currency thing again. How do, so is you're just, oh, you're just comfortable with the word currency. Like you're comfortable with the idea that there's Multiple cryptocurrencies, there's not a global standard. Different ones will have niche use cases.
0: So I've gone back and forth with this. This is a great question. I've gone back and forth with this over time. Um, so I, I would like to see a world where uh, there is some measure of consensus around currencies and they're not just constantly printing new ones as, in hopes uh, that one, you know, another Bitcoin will rise kind of thing. I think that would be destabilizing to economies in general and not helpful. Um, I often wonder about some kind of spiritual, the kind of spiritual transformation that would have to take place for people to stop trying to make new currencies like this, but I could see a world where those new currencies that are touting themselves as the next Bitcoin just get pushed off to the side into like a penny stocks category of investment speculation. Um, I, I tend to think, uh, there will be multiple currencies that are used by different groups of people. Um, the same way as there are, you know, the same as there are now, uh, Mm -hmm. some people use dollars, it's not just the U S it's other countries that don't have a strong enough central bank to be able to print their own currency or manage their own currency, or they're being strong armed by the U S. So they have to use the dollar, whatever it is. There are other people using dollars. There are a host of countries using euros. Um, and, uh, so we have currency competition right now. It's just enforced by violence, um, in any free market, the, the two, the counter, the opposing forces here in, in which currencies are end up, you know, end up used in the next 30, 40 years are the network effects, uh, native to currencies, um, where any good currency has a strong network effect and that's self self self-perpetuating it reinforces, um, the dominance of that currency and the, uh, natural effects of competition, um, to, to decentralize, uh, product offerings. So Mm -hmm. you can see there, there, so in that sense, I think there is room for multiple currencies. I don't think, um, I don't think Bitcoin will be used for everything, uh, if Bitcoin is the eventual winner. Um, I think it will be used for maybe some things and other things, you know, the eventual winner will be used for, for a variety of, of uh, you know, for a handful of different things. Um, And I I see a couple competitors right now. I think it's far too early to say what currency is going to be like the winner for a medium of exchange. I think it really depends on how the U S goes forward with the CBDC. I think it depends on when and how the dollar blows up. Uh, It depends on, you know global coordination between regulatory agencies um it's you know it, it depends on a lot of things um but you know i could see bitcoin becoming like the base layer for everything i could also see another currency catching on uh, maybe one with more privacy features that uh kind of fixes the
1: problems that are are common to uh what? yeah yeah
0: <laughs>
1: what <laughs> do you all fare? All fair and well said. What do you believe that wrapped Bitcoin and wrapped tokens demonstrates? What does that demonstrate? What are people, what is the market saying with that?
0: I think it demonstrates a very strong demand for Bitcoin. I think the more wrapped Bitcoin there is on Ethereum and other protocols, especially on, yeah, especially on other protocols, that is such a vote of confidence in Bitcoin as the future world Mm -hmm. currency or the world settlement layer. And I think that's the way that it has to go to remain decentralized. Because it, with the way that I look at it, um, the Bitcoin standard came out in whatever it was, 2018, um, mm-hmm. a, as a response to the shitcoin boom, um, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people said well, it's only Bitcoin. It has to be only Bitcoin. It can't be any of these altcoins. Um, I think whether they like it or not, there is going to be a place for altcoins in. Um, And and yeah, there is going to be a place for altcoins and there has to be some measure of acceptance of those because Bitcoin needs to scale. You know, other blockchains are being used to scale Bitcoin. Absolutely. So
1: yeah, tell us where people can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah. So best place is Twitter. My handle is at EatSleepCrypto. So E-A-T, not E-T-H. It's EatSleepCrypto. And then that's also my website, EatSleepCrypto.com. Um, DMs are open for anybody that has tokenomics questions. And if you're interested in um, learning more about tokenomics, check out my website and uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm doing
1: tokenomics spaces every week. Love it. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next one. Hey all, this is Brian. You can reach me on Twitter at BrainHarrington. Shoot me a DM with any feedback from today's episode. This has been a choice app production. Bitcoin is becoming centric to personal finance and we want to help you learn how to better engage with Bitcoin financial services. None of this is financial advice and is for education and entertainment.